Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in 80s baby, Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullsh, 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 crazy with this bullsh, bullsh, bullsh. Thank you for tuning in to the 95 Killers Podcast Season 2. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. We are so excited to be back. This is episode one of the new season. I'm here with yet another extraordinary guest. She is an attorney, an educator, and vice president of a nonprofit called Breakthrough Outreach Ministries. Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce my friend and lawyer, Ms. Christian Rose. Hi, Rose. Great to have you on the show. How are you feeling? I had a good day. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Yeah. So I'm here with my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from, Rose? I'm from Houston, Texas. And, you know, living in New York City for about the last five years. And one of the funniest things to me is that here we have Houston Street, right? So I always have to tell people when I say I'm from Houston, they're like, oh, they give me this look. So then I have to back it up with Texas. I used to just say Houston because we're that proud. Mm-hmm. But I back it up with Houston, Texas now. So I've, that's where I'm from. H-Town, oh, cause, we call oh, it. Oh, because they'll think that, that you're talking about Houston Street? Yeah, they don't oh. understand. Like, well, oh, no, where are you from? Okay. So. <laughs> and, and where's your, your family from originally? You know, that's a good question. Um, as far back as I know, we are from a town called Napoleonville, Louisiana. Um, we are the descendants of slaves. We came over. And I'm not sure where it was before that. I've done my ancestry DNA, but I don't trust it enough to say it here. I still want more proof, right? So. <laughs> oh, you want to check? I want to check, and you know, you know how I'm going to do that. Have you heard about people going to Ghana this year, going back to no. reclaim? Or well, God, the president of Ghana invited all of the members of the diaspora to come back to reclaim their heritage, if you will. Really? So this is on my list. I might have to go there and reclaim something. (laughs) Even if I don't belong there, I might have to do that. No, because apparently this was one of the gateways where everybody kind of went through there at some point, or even if it's just symbolic, like that kind of stuff works for me. So I'll probably make that, that pilgrimage. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. So yeah. do you do you come from a big family or how many brothers and sisters? Big family. So my grandmother was one of 13 children. And so huge family with me, my brother and two sisters, uh, four of us. So the funny thing is, though, even though my grandmother had all those kids, her children really didn't have many. So we have, you know, we have a family reunion coming up. I'm looking forward to it. Where's it going to be? New Orleans. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you watch Queen Sugar? I have never. Okay, so you're missing out. I feel like this show is about my family. Queen Sugar? So if anybody watches Queen Sugar, yes. We're from a little town that's outside of New Orleans like that. And we grew up on a sugar cane farm just like that. Now, the crazy thing is, and I don't know if you want to get into this now, but is it okay if I digress? You can talk about it. Talk about it. it. So apparently when we, you know, Texas was the last state to free their slaves, right? And... So we um, we were in Louisiana the next state over. They were the second last, second right. to last, right. right? So when they finally let us go, we stayed on the plantation. And we eventually carved out this little corner that we still claim to this day in Napoleonville, Louisiana. I'm going to have to look that up. Yes. Now, I love that story. Now, but now, but now let me ask you, so how does this, how does... Um, 
a, a young lady from what you said, Houston, Texas. Yes. End up being this big bad New York lawyer. Oh wow, it's been <laughs> such a journey. It's it's been a journey. Um, so I I would say it was I blame Night Court. You remember the show Night Court? I remember Night Court. <laughs> I blame Dan, right? Because I thought it was cool, like it seemed cool, and I just wanted to be cool. To be honest, I like. I'll that. be honest, like, and then when I started, I was probably like six, between six and eight years old. You know, I started showing that I had gifts and things. And, you know, in the black community, it's you're either a lawyer or a doctor at that point because we had the Cosbys. Right. So you're going to be Claire or you're going to be Cliff. Now, unfortunately, he has had a falling, right? But Somewhat, a slight I little really, hiccup, I guess, or a couple of hiccups. <laughs> I wanted to be Claire. So that's okay. part of how I ended up in the law oh, between like, her like and that. Dan from Night Court. Dan from Night Court. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. I'm I like serious. No, and no, I, I still watch it. Night Court. It comes on the Laugh Channel. Does it really? Now, it was so inappropriate, though. I remember that. I mean, very like sexual harassment. Like if they had Me Too now, there's no There'd way no Night and Night Court probably will go off. At now that I'm saying this, it's watch. probably gonna probably gonna come <laughs> after them. What do you What do you think when? Because you you um you went to what schools did you attend? Okay, the good question. So it's an actually interesting story. When I came out of high school, being from Texas. Um, I graduated high school in 1997, so I'm aging myself, but that's cool. So 95, there was this young lady at the University of Texas who had sued the school for reverse discrimination. And um, so she won. And so they stopped giving scholarships to minority students in the state of Texas. Now, being from my family, I needed that minority scholarship. So I decided to go to Oklahoma. I hopped one state over, went to OU. I'm a Sooner. Had a wonderful experience at OU, and I'm actually grateful that that young lady made that choice because it kind of put me on the trajectory that I'm on. Then I went to Howard for law school in D.C. Great experience, and that's what kind of brought me to New York. So I've been making a slow progression up the East Coast, I guess you can say. And i seen somewhere on your bio something about Oxford. Oh, my God. You forgot about Oxford. I didn't forget. How could I forget? Okay, so, but the story about how I ended up at Oxford I feel like we kind of got it. I, I, I can't just jump through that. Why not? Okay, because it doesn't make sense, right? So my third year at Howard, I went to Howard Law School. My third year at Howard, I was supposed to be graduating that year. The, it was September, right? I had a car accident and got. I had to get out of law school, like take leave of absence. And I didn't want to be idle. Like I'm such a worker bee and achiever type. Now I've gotten over this now. Right. But you asked me how I got into the law. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell in love with achieving. And thank God, instead of developing a negative coping mechanism, like a lot of people would drugs, alcohol, and et cetera, I started wanting to make A's and to be liked and to for people right. to say I was smart and that stuff. You know, now it, it became an addiction at some point, so we had to pull back. But the good thing is, is that it led me to Howard and it led me to Oxford. So had the car accident while I took my time off. I started this online master's degree program, right? Because I didn't want my, while my body was healing and my mind was healing, I wanted it to be, I think, I guess I thought of it as mental exercise. So I start the program, I'm taking it lightly. And in the midst of this, I, div- I guess I found my passion and my voice. So it was an accident. You know, it was actually an accident that led me to um, discovering my passion, right? And right. we'll get back to what that is specifically. But while I, after I got better, 
they invited me to come to Oxford for a summer and study. And we were dealing with the the government of the United Kingdom and helping them to decide whether or not they wanted to have a constitution or not. There's no constitution. A lot of Americans don't know that, but they we have a constitution they didn't have. So they were asking us, well, what has your experience been? Do you think this is something we should do? It looks like we talked them out of it because they don't have, they don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel responsible for Brexit a little bit. Like okay. maybe the end of it. <laughs> if we had made the constitution, maybe Brexit wouldn't have been possible. This is possible. We talked about of it. So Oxford hmm. was so beautiful. It was amazing. And just like a spirit of learning, which was something that I needed for to help me get over that achievement thing I was telling you about earlier. Right. So <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit about how I come to know you. Okay. So my girlfriend Alessia, mm -hmm. she's in my in my documentary, beautiful, beautiful lady, I right? I love her. Yeah, beautiful she's lady. So she's in my documentary, Nine to Five Killers, and also Coach Jazz. Mm -hmm. So she met Jasmine you Graham. through Coach Jazz. Yeah. Uh, now what happened was, I started working on Nine to Five Killers, and my girlfriend was listening. And in the beginning, I was talking about it, but she started seeing the vision was coming together, and I started like getting things done, mm -hmm. and she was like, "Well." aren't you going to get yourself trademarked? Because I was, I started creating merchandise mm. and I was like, no, I'm going to do that on my own because like where I'm from in the Bronx, the only time you, you hire a lawyer is if you got legal trouble right. or somebody, you suing somebody. Okay. So that's my only really interaction with lawyers. And it, and it wasn't always a pleasant one for me. Mm -hmm. So I have this little fear of lawyers, but then I met you okay. and uh, cause jazz and my girlfriend, they spoke very highly of you. And we met up and I was like, just hearing you talk, I was like, I want her, I want to, I want to, I want her to be my lawyer. So Aww. that's how. Here we are, here right? Here we are. <laughs> and now you're on the show. And it's organic, you know, that way. I'm a relationship person, you know, and that really, you asked me earlier how I got into the law. The law is really about helping people to navigate relationships, either with other people or between themselves and the government. It's always going to be a vertical or a horizontal relationship you're dealing with. So we're just trying to help you navigate those relationships so you can maintain them so everybody can get whatever their interest is out of it. Well, you, you, know? do, it, you do it in a way that the, the way that you do it that I haven't experienced before is when I had lawyers before, even when I was I was suing a company and the lawyer would just be like, well, I'll let you know when you need to come to court whatever but didn't keep me up to <laughs> didn't keep me posted on what was going on I don't know what was going on in those rooms Oh yeah, I have no idea they could have been working together with the other oh. party I don't know and uh, and then finally you know um, once the, the case was solved you know I had you know I got my money but I don't know to this day what went on in those rooms mm -hmm. and you don't do that even though we're dealing with a trademark situation mm -hmm. you you forward the messages from the government to me Right. I and want you to see it for yourself. Yeah, I, I get to see it for myself. And then when I don't understand some of it, I try it on the internet. I'm like, I don't know what these people are talking about. <laughs> uh, you actually, you know, you get on the phone with me and you go over what this means. And that's something that I hadn't experienced mm -hmm. with a lawyer. Well, before. thank you for saying that. Like I said, relationships matter to me. I'm trying when I invest in a client and I consider it an investment of my time, just like yours to have these conversations, right? It's because I believe in your vision. As soon as you and I met in the coffee shop and you told me what you were doing, I loved it. So how can I not educate you? I'm not looking for you to need me. 
I'm not trying to make myself indispensable. I want you to be educated. But there's a reason why your attorneys sometimes may not communicate as much as you think they are. Can I tell you? Tell me, please. Okay, so I just happen to be an exceptional person because I've chosen to create my practice in what they call using flat fee, like a flat rate, right? And that's not traditional. Uh, most attorneys ch charge for time. So do you want your attorney to charge you for all the calls that you think that they need to make? So in a way, they kind of looking out for you that they only call you when it's essential because they're charging you in the six minute increment. So say, for example, my fee was $100 an hour. Mm -hmm. That means every six minutes you spending six dollars with me. Well, I'll tell you what, you, 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 <laughs> might find, you might find this very odd, but. For me, having it done the other way when they weren't communicating with me, I would have paid that $6 because I would have known more. Mm -hmm. You would be surprised. Like something happened to me recently. I'm going to share it right now. Okay. I was going to share it with you the other day. I said, I haven't shared it with anybody but my, but wow. my girlfriend so far. Okay. So I'm going to share this with I everybody right now. <laughs> what happened was when I started 9 to 5 Killers, there was, a, there was a woman that asked me. She said, why don't you, on Instagram, why don't you... Get the name, Nine Five Killers. But I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I already have my Glen Shoes City. I'm already promoting it on there. I don't need that right there. And she was like, you should get it. And I was like, nah. And so I started thinking about it. And then I started promoting the brand and putting the clothing out and things were going well. And I said, you know what? Maybe I should start that one up. And prior when I checked, it was available. Mm. And when I went to register it, it was taken. Oh no! By this, by this guy. I didn't share this with you. We, you had already. I was already working with you already. So I'm like, wait a second. So oh, I go. I look up the person. I find his page, and I went to Instagram directly. I wrote them an email and I told them that you know this person has my name, but that's not me. You know that's my company. And they wrote me back in two days saying there's nothing they can really do about it. You might want to seek legal advice. Oh my god! So the first thing I was thinking was, I'm gonna call Rose, and I said, you know what? I can figure this out. Because some of the stuff you told me and stuff that I've been reading, I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna send this guy a cease and desist. Yes! Right? I'm so proud. Right? Where's so the I, applause button? You deserve <laughs> that. <laughs> so That's I wrote him. Up. And you know what? In a kind of letter I wrote, I thought about it because, because I wanted to make sure that I didn't sound threatening, but I didn't sound like I was playing either. Yeah, yeah. Because there was a friend of mine who, I won't say his name, he recently, some, something similar happened with his name, and he offered the person like $100. And they were like, no, I'm keeping this. Um, you know, whatever. And they don't, they don't do anything on the page. Yeah. So I wrote this guy a very nice um, letter. It, was, it started something like, you may not be aware, but 9 to 5 Killers is my brand and blah, blah, blah. And I said, this is the day we started. And I, and I have the dates because you told me about the clothing when I started that, my first yeah, sales. Uh -huh. So I sent him two receipts of sale from the hats. <laughs> and I sent him a whole bunch of stuff in my, my hashtags and people that were following me. And I gave him seven days in which uh, I said, if you do not take down this page within seven days, uh, I'm going to I'm going to seek legal action. Mm -hmm. And I went to sleep <laughs> and then I woke up in the morning and he didn't respond, but it was down. And okay. I took and I took it over. Oh my God! See, that's what I'm talking about. That's crazy, For me, right? No, this is. Oh, you just made my day. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about, right? I mean, and I feel like we get connected to the spirit of the law. Like you don't have to go to law school to know how to act, be a self advocate, but you what you do need is self awareness. And a lot of people don't know how to find and use their voice. 
It's just basic common sense, common courtesy type of stuff we're talking about. The law is not difficult. It's about relationships. Remember that. So this is all based on the idea that in order to have a civilized society, there's certain things we just do and don't do. We call it a social contract, right? Mm -hmm. You don't just go up and punch somebody in the face. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) At least not before you talk to them. (laughs) Well, it used to be, it used Mm -hmm. to be you don't just go and lick the ice cream and put it back. For example, people started to do that. Everything's changing now, but the social construct I'm sorry, contract was just a philosophy. Mm-hmm. It eventually developed into the tort law, which is now where you can sue somebody for these things. You know, right. so it just came from basic social order type stuff. And it just if people keep that in mind, you can kind of come up with what the best solution is for things for yourself like you did. Yeah. And, you know, and what's funny is me telling that story, I felt really silly. And so I'm like, you know, so I, I shared it with my, my, my lady and then or one other person I shared it with. I won't say who because he's been in business for like seven years. Mm -hmm. And when I was sharing it with him, he said, you know what? I didn't trademark my stuff. And I was like, what? Wow. I was feeling guilty about me not, you know, I trademarked my stuff. I was just talking about Instagram. Not securing your Instagram name. Instagram is something totally different. I mean, but not trademarking your stuff is Mm -hmm. a whole nother. And by the way, somebody else today, I didn't tell them the story, but they told me, Data insecure, their trademark, and they have merchandise out for years. Well, here's the thing about trademark, though. Mm-hmm. You, to a certain extent, you as an artist or an influencer, or a person who's a creative, as soon as you put something into the marketplace, in a way, you're putting the world on notice that you have this. This is your mark. You've made your mark. That's why they say that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you trademark something, you're just letting the government know what's already true. Right. Right. So if you don't do it, let's say ultimately you don't register your mark, you say, forget it. I'm good. And somebody just goes hard and ends up making like millions of dollars. If you sue them, it's going to cost you a lot of money. But eventually you'll probably win if you can show, like you said, that I had already entered into the commerce space. Right. But who wants to go through that when you can just take a little time, a few hundred dollars Mm -hmm. and secure the rights and be mindful so right. now that you got your IG, did you go and get all your other stuff? Um, yes, I've been getting all my other stuff. Yeah, like get, the well, domain even I if had you already. don't think you want the Facebook page or maybe you ne- you don't think you ever going to do Periscope. Why not go on there and just get it? Right. It'll- no, no, it makes, listen, it makes <laughs> sense. And you know what's funny? The thing about it is we live in a world where I got where people, right? Because we have all this information on the internet. Yeah. And before the internet, there people with people was telling you they friend you have friends and they know a bit of the law and so they they're like your attorney, <laughs> your okay, fake attorney. That one person who has more that information has, than everybody else. Exactly, right? <laughs> they they became the attorney and then you realize they don't know that much. <laughs> and one of the funny things is you end up listening to them. Like one of the things that I thought was the most funny thing is when I talked about copywriting, mm-hmm. um, you know, nine five killers. Like I want I'm gonna have you do that as well. And I had a friend start talking about the poor man's. Was it the mm-hmm. poor man's copyright? Yeah. yeah okay. Now, what do you what do you think about that? I hear mixed things from this from people. It's kind of similar to what I was just telling you about the trademark. Because mm-hmm. we are a civilized society, and you have to remember, the founding fathers left England to come here so that they could have two things: religious freedom, but also to protect their property. And we're talking about intellectual property, mm-hmm. so there are lots of safeguards for this stuff. 
So with the poor man's copyright, it's basically saying that the same thing. Wait, I'm, can, can you, sorry, can you explain it for people that may not know? Okay, so first let me clarify why you have to copyright the, the book or the movie or the script instead of trademarking, right? Because you kind of skipped over. Oh, oh, oh no, sorry, not the trademark. I meant copyright. I know it's copyright. Yeah, but, but we right. they're still wondering, well, why Why does he have to copyright it when he oh, already okay. trademarked it? Got it, got it. <laughs> when I already trademarked the clothing, You got trademarked it. the brand, the but brand. you have to copyright anything that's written, a written work, even if it's um, music on a staff, right? That written choral music or the chamber music that you write, anything written, even if it's software, can be copywritten, right? And what that means is you're putting it in a stream of con- of commerce or consciousness. That's probably a better word, mm-hmm. right? But when you mail that to yourself, it's the same idea. Is that you're taking the book, you're putting it in the mail, so you're putting it in the commerce. So it can work, but you're still going to have to go through a lot of litigation to secure those rights or to enforce them. So that's why it's better to just go ahead, send it in. It's super cheap too, so easy. Right, so you say an appointment's copy, it, it, it may stand, but it, it's real, but it, but it's it's a little bit harder to prove, you're saying? Or, no, well, what like, it is, is it's kind of like band-aiding something. You know how people, let's say you're a mechanic, they'll say you're a shade tree mechanic, right? Like, you'll get it done, but you're not going to use the best parts, or you might shortcut some stuff. That's all it is. It's not the most sophisticated way of doing it, but if that's the best you have, it's better than nothing. Right. I agree. But you know, there's some people that they have it and it's just about, we live in a DIY society mm-hmm. and people always want you cut corners, but then you end up being further behind than you could be because like, I don't, I'm not a cut corner type of person. I feel like if you invest in yourself and invest in what you're doing, then it, you kind of like just skip over a lot of stuff, a lot mm-hmm. of delay Absolutely. that a lot of people skip over. Now, here's the what I consider to be one of my gifts. I have shortcuts. I always have. You know, I, I, I graduated early from high school. I graduated early from college. I kind of have always been ahead of myself. Now, it took some setbacks for me to catch up at one point, you know, but here I am now. It's like I kind of feel like I've caught up. And being in this moment with you kind of confirms that kind of thing. Some of the stuff you're saying. You never know why you end up in a situation that you're in, you know. But when I have a client who can come back educated and you're telling me you're teaching me something right now, like that's one of those real like reciprocal moments, you know. (laughs) And that's why we do what we do. Well, me, I can only speak for myself. Well, no, I I appreciate what you do because, you know, one reason why I wanted to have you on here besides you being a great lawyer is, um, is that there's a lot of people that would say, you know, I could I could find out anything on the internet nowadays. Mm-hmm. But I always say like this: when I when I broke my ankle, I was born a couple of years ago. I broke my ankle. I looked for the best guy to fix my leg because I was like, I think running and jumping is important. But I have friends who have injuries and they might have a little they might have a little limp and they rather spend the money. One of my one guy told me he rather spend that money on vacation than spend that money on what? fixing himself. <laughs> And I figured for me, I got one body. Yeah. You know, one life. There's a lot of vacations you could do with your body's right. Mm-hmm. So, but everybody's everybody has a different view on things. I'm not saying that everybody he's wrong. Everybody thinks they can do it themselves. Right. Everybody wants to do it themselves. Well, YouTube cannot teach you how to represent yourself in a court of law, right? Mm-hmm. So you, um, we've all had those family members who got into trouble, who decided that they were going to represent themselves, either mm-hmm. because they couldn't afford it. Maybe they thought it was the best idea. How did it turn out? 
not so well. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the time I represented myself. It was mm-hmm. a mistake. Can I tell you about this? Oh, yeah, please tell me okay, about it. Okay, now this is something that I have not really shared with more than a handful of people, okay? When I was in college, it was I was a sophomore in college. I was pledging a sorority, right? Mm-hmm. And me and my girls were, we were not allowed to work during this time. Like as freshmen, you can't work. You just have to focus on school. This is one thing that I thought was good about the University of Oklahoma, by the way. So we're socializing and we end up getting into some trouble, right? So I get arrested. This was in downtown Oklahoma City. Okay, so it was a pretty safe arrest. <laughs> wait, say. wait, before you wait, what were you doing while you got arrested? You can't just cut that part out. Uh, okay, so I they were teaching me how to uh, how to get things when you don't have money. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it, <laughs> understood. And thank God. So basically, this was my first lesson in the law and how it matters, right? So I had taken like two CDs, right. And the CDs added up to like $48. Now, they were clearly expensive CDs. But if it had been more than $50, I would have gotten a felony. Wow. And it was just, this is what we call grace, right? (laughs) $2 is the difference between if I, maybe I would never been able to practice law, right? Really? So I learned a really, really good lesson that the statute says. I had to go look it up for myself. And I wasn't in law school. I was an undergrad. But I got the ticket. I looked at the numbers and I figured out how to go online and find it. And I read it and I said, okay, I didn't do this. Right. Right. <laughs> I knew that the language is what it says. I'm reading it. I didn't do it. So I went up there and I told him I pled um, not guilty. Right. And I just paid my little fine. I lost and I ended up getting convicted. But I think they respected the fact that I had done my research. Right. So I didn't have to go to jail and stuff. I just the, he the cop took me there. I paid my fine and I walked straight out. And that never happens. Right. But I you know, I kind of just figured it out. Wait, because were they trying to put, put a, um, a, a felony rap on No, you it no? was a misdemeanor, misdemeanor because it was only 48. But if it would have been two if more dollars. If it was dollars, 50, I been, it would have been messed up. Is that still the case now? That I'm pretty changed? sure the law has changed in Oklahoma, but you do. The point of this is, is when you get in trouble, the ticket, they have to spell it out clearly for you. With the criminal law, we're talking about criminal. Right. They're taking your life, your liberty, your property from you. And remember, the Constitution says they can't do that without due process, right? right. So that process is them telling you what you did wrong and laying it out. So right. they have to put the number on the ticket. Right. All you got to do is Google the statute and you see what it is and go in there and have your evidence to say, I did. This is not what I did. Now, right. I might have done this. I didn't do that. OK. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's not rocket science. You right. know, and you can even help your attorney out. Right. Because sometimes, like you said, they're unresponsive or they're busy or whatever. A lot of times people get court appointed lawyers and they just too busy. Look I've the statute up for yourself and you go to them when you get to court and it's your first time seeing them. You tell them, look, I read the statute. This is what it is. Do you know how happy they would be to know that you, you came prepared? Because we mean well. I don't think anybody would choose to go into such a difficult profession if they didn't ultimately mean well. Right. But I think that we just get overwhelmed. A lot of attorneys are overwhelmed. You th- yeah, yeah, I said there's a lot of unhappy attorneys out there. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right word for it because the thing is, is you, I'm, I'm grateful. 
you know, I'm grateful that I'm in a position to make the type of impact that I make. But the truth is, is we get pigeonholed into a lot of things because we have a lot of responsibilities. So sometimes you end up in situations that you didn't anticipate. And then you're like, I can't get out. And you feel like you're not being authentic. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me unhappy. If I feel I'm I'm being fake, like I had this one job. I'm not even going to name the company. I was there for three years. I had to get out. I felt like a faker every day. I felt like he was just eating away at me. Right. You know, and that brings that brings you to my next question. Uh Actually, (laughs) You used to work for a company doing the law. Yeah. Now, what happened? That was your last nine to five. Now, tell me about what happened with that job and why you why'd you leave? Well, you know, this this was another really good lesson. I, I moved from Houston to New York for this position. It was a middle management position. I was responsible for not just budgets, but programs and people. And it was a lot, you know, and I didn't really have the guidance or mentorship to know what I was getting myself into. So I always take responsibility first. So let's start with that. Okay, mm-hmm. so here I am. I'm rocking it out first couple years, whatever. It's a lot, but I'm communicating well with my superiors. I'm thinking I'm doing everything right. They kept telling me if you do A, B, and C, you're good, right? But unfortunately, and I'm gonna be honest about this, I do know the law, and I truly believe that there are some aspects of this that are not necessarily set up for the most of us to succeed. You have to be in a certain position, I think, to really, really rise to the top. And that's just the nature of our system. I'm going to be honest. What position is this? You got to put it on. uh, I think you have to be knowledgeable, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why I'm I'm an educator first, right? So I choose to educate my clients because when you have knowledge, then no one, if you look at somebody, you show them the statute because they just want the black letter. We call it the black letter law. If it's written, it's good. You take it in and it speaks for itself. The only time we need to talk about it is if it's vague. If it's not vague, then it is what it is. And it's an opening door, closed door meeting, right? We're out of there in 10 or 15 minutes. Right. So it's just a matter of being knowledgeable. But we have a system that's kind of stacked against those of us who are ignorant. And that's why people say knowledge is power, get your education, etc. I'm not saying you have to get a paid education and go and spend the money that I spent. But take the benefit of what I've done and what I've spent and be educated. That's why I just give it. It's like paying it forward for me. I don't want you to have to spend six figures when I can Mm -hmm. tell you what to do. You didn't even have to call me like how. That's awesome. Right. Like I'm super, super proud about that. Now, can I ask you a question? Oh, you can ask me any question you want. Why? you? I think you said you felt ashamed. No, I said I felt embarrassed that Why I didn't do feel? it. Okay, but no. you killed it though. Like well, before you were responsive. I did it. Before okay. I did it, I felt that way. But you didn't sit in that place though. No, I don't sit in that place. Like when I like one of the things is like I feel whenever you have the most amount of like pressure mm-hmm. or there's a mistake, I don't feel there's a mistake that's un- that's irreversible. Yeah. So the part of it that I take to heart is people always tell me, oh, don't take things personal. I take everything personal. Everything that happens to me, I take it personal, but do I hold it against you? If you did something to me that made me feel a certain way and it made me rise to an occasion for something, mm-hmm. and that, that even includes a um, job that I may not want to be in, but if you inspire me to start a movie and clothing line, how could I be mad at you? <laughs> oh, yes. And a podcast, how could I be really mad at you if you inspired me when I was lollygagging right. and coasting through life? Oh, no, you you saying that got me back to my story. Mm-hmm, okay, me. Because I here I am thinking I'm doing everything right, but mm-hmm. what I wasn't doing 
was communicating with my boss to really get what she wanted, mm. not what I thought was needed. So I ended up not meeting her performance standards. She let me go. I was devastated because remember, I had this achievement addiction that I had created earlier. Mm -hmm. And this was the universe giving me the opportunity to heal. But I didn't see it as that at first. Mm -hmm. So when I failed and I didn't make like that, you know, you are so right. <laughs> so I try to tell. So I work a lot now in my practice with artists, entrepreneurs, people who are up and coming who want to achieve this nine to five killer status that you and I are working on. Right. And I try to tell them, okay, give yourself a good two to three year window of preparation, cut back, pay your car off. The car note is a ball and chain. Now, thank right. God we live in New York. We don't need, we cars. don't need the car. Well, <laughs> you know, some of us don't, but I'll tell you something that's funny. I was talking to somebody recently and they were like, well, how do you figure out, how much time to spend on your business, how, how much you spend on your nine to five, how do you find the time? And so I broke it down, like from interviewing one of one of the um, nine to five killers, I believe it was the wealthy guy, shout out to the wealthy guy. Oh, and he yeah. says something to me that he wakes up early morning, like around six or five, and he starts working like on his, on his what he got to do for work. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm gonna start doing that. So I started out with the six o'clock and now I do four o'clock every morning. Wow. I wake up at four. I work from four to eight on my business. Oh. And then I go to work and then I come home. I do another two hours. So I do about 42 hours for myself and 40 hours for my job, my day job. So you're prioritizing yourself over the day job. That's a good move. I'm giving myself because I wasn't I didn't see any momentum mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. now, I see a little bit of momentum, but not a lot. And I, I realized what it is, is how can you expect? When I started, when I did the, when I did the numbers, because knowing your numbers is very important. I was doing about 15, 16 hours uh, a week on myself and 42, 50 hours at the job. So now what I do is I'm doing a matching, if not more, yeah. around the same. And, and part of those numbers come from where I find the time at. I don't take time away from my relationship. Good. I take time away from binge watching Netflix, <laughs> um, taking phone calls from people who are not forward thinking mm. I take those things out and I cut those things away yeah and I make time for things that are important to me right and yeah. that that's where I found the time and you're right and, and you know that's part of people say they don't have time now I'm also very very fortunate and this it's about sacrifice you know I've been in relationships where I knew that the person was one of those time needy people my lifestyle does not support that so I'm not going to put you or me in a position to be disappointed because <laughs> right, right. now I, I'm a quality time over a quantity time person. So if I know this Saturday night is date night, we're good. You can work. You can do your 42 hours. I'll do my 40 and we're right. good. Right. So mm -hmm. that's the thing is like prioritizing what's important to you. Now, me, the first thing I do in the morning is work out like because I have to put my body. I have to give my body in, in order. Right. Because mm -hmm. I'm a Leo my body, I have a big ego, that kind of stuff. So it's like I, I have to make sure that I'm being led from the inside out. So it's like I put my body in submission first part of the day. And I think that for me that made a big difference because people are sometimes led by their carnal desires. I don't really know of a better way to put it, but right. I think we all want things. You know, part of the thing of, of the law is about learning how power moves think people and things. If you understand how power moves people and things, then you can own that process for yourself. And that's how you get to a place where you don't need me. 
And I'm not saying this because I don't want your money. I'm saying right, this right. because <laughs> the way it's set up is if you're not ever going to get to that place where you feel confident calling me like Glenn did, don't just sell out. Like, don't sell yourself and your family out and throw your, your assets away, you know, in that ignorance. At least get the information. <laughs> so. well, well, you know, what, what it comes from is that people will spend money on some things and and they'll and they won't spend it on something like you know like protecting their assets so mm -hmm. i'm about preventative stuff now oh yeah you know because once you have to call a lawyer because somebody's like they at you it's a little it's bit too late not as i wouldn't say that's too late but it's just like why didn't you do all this stuff beforehand because i would hate to answer those questions like why didn't you do this and why oh, didn't you do that that's the first thing i do is ask when the client calls me and it's a nightmare it's chaotic it's a disaster first of all i don't take these cases because i don't work well with that like i'm more of a hands-on preventative person holistic i take a holistic approach so it's better for me to help you to strategize about how to avoid these things but if you call me after it's already done the first thing I'm going to say is, well, why didn't you call me earlier? <laughs> right. I'll give you an example. I have a family member, somebody I really love. I'm not going to say who, who just recently got into some trouble. Right. And she's young, so we'll get through it. But the family didn't want to tell me. She had gotten in trouble on Monday. They called me on Friday. You know what I told them? I cannot contribute to the bail fund. That's what I said. I know. Oh, it, was a, it was a bail situation. Yeah, they had already decided. They didn't ask me if they felt that this was the right move. They asked me, will I contribute five days after the incident had taken place, right? <laughs> I hate, you know, that, that's the one thing about having a, a big family is that people don't realize that somebody got to be bailed out. But there's, my, always there's always somebody got to be bailed out. <laughs> my thing is my dad set me straight a long time ago. He... First time I ever got arrested for jumping the turnstile, he showed up in court oh, no. and he said, I will never go to court again, just so you know. Mm -hmm. And that made me know that anytime I did something, I knew that I was, I wasn't even expecting him to be there. He showed up, but he had promised me before that, that he would never do it. But when he went and he seen what happened, he said, listen, I'm never going to be here again. And I said, okay, cool. And from there, I don't, I don't, I don't expect my parents or anyone to bail me out because what happens is when you bail someone out and you don't share the information with somebody like yourself. You're a knowledgeable person. You might have given some insight of what they could have done. I could tell you, I could give right? you a little insight. And this mm -hmm. was some, actually, my dad already knew the answer because I've educated my father. I was so proud of him. But he said, I told her that if you bail yourself out, they may not give you a court-appointed lawyer, right? Because it looks like you have money now. You were mm. able to come up with thousands of dollars because you didn't want to be in jail, but you're also telling me you can't afford a lawyer. So the court's not stupid, right? You have rights, but be that's just common sense. Well, people don't know that. That's something that I wouldn't have known. I'm but, now, but now I know. But because you if just you think about me. it, though, it's common sense. You see, to get a court-appointed lawyer, you're telling the court, I'm, I'm indigent, which means I'm poor. You must not be that poor if you were able to mobilize your family to come up with $5,000 or whatever. Right. So you would do better to maybe just, and I took, remember earlier when I told you I got arrested, I took the chance by saying, I'm going to take the deal, right? I'm going to pay my fine and take the misdemeanor. I still to this day have a misdemeanor on my record that I have to explain every single time I apply for anything. Right. So I took that chance of taking the responsibility and owning that I knew I had taken the CDs. What's the point of even getting a court appointed lawyer? Don't right. waste money. Right. But if I had, then I would have just had to own it, you know? Right. And what do you, what do you, what would you say 
is something that you any any um hurdle that you had to overcome working for yourself mm. um that in the beginning <laughs> that you didn't have to deal with when you worked for a company oh wow that's that's big i think right now one of the biggest thing is health insurance for people and i, I think they've changed this now and you know I, i'm not going to say politically how i feel about it but from a practical standpoint when i had to apply for my own health insurance they were going to charge me 450 dollars a month Wow. Just for myself. And I'm a healthy, able-bodied woman. It's ridiculous. So that was the hurdle. Like, I had to make a decision about that one, you know. <laughs> I was able to come up with a solution, which, you know, y'all have to find me. If you find me online, I'm always happy to share the information. But some of it I can't just say out like this. But right. there's always a solution. Well, it's so funny you mentioned that because I'm actually in talks with with a friend of mine who is a doctor who's gonna who's been helping we've been trying to find out a solution for entrepreneurs mm. like and so she mentioned a few which i'm not going to mention now because <laughs> i want to make sure that we do the research on before i just blow up some some right. company the, and the website goes down right <laughs> no i know i didn't know the truth is i didn't do my research on it okay. and, and i want to do and i want to make sure that i see what's involved in it before i have people going out there Good idea. because mm -hmm. you never know mm -hmm, right mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's my thing. It works out. And there's so many different advocacy groups and nonprofits and things. There's always, we call them interest groups. Like, so if you and I have a common goal or something that we're both excited about, like we're both excited about entrepreneurship, which is what brought us here, right? You, there's these interest groups. You unite around a common interest. And that's how everyday people like us get involved in making impact on policy and things like that. Because the more people you have coming together with the same goal, a big voice, then you start raising money, then you start protesting. Maybe if you think you need to and you advocating, next thing you know, you've made a difference. So we could decide to put together a coalition of entrepreneurs who are fed up about not having health insurance mm -hmm. and put our money together and make it happen. I'm, I'm, I'm already on that. But let me tell you something. What do you think, what would you think that something that you, you would advice you would give to a younger person wanting to get into the law, like some, some advice that you wish you would have gotten back then mm -hmm. that you might set somebody straight. Yeah. So if you, first of all, um, I think it's important to understand you have to kind of know yourself before you get into the law, because you, once you know the gray areas and where you can push the envelope, if you're not um, a person of integrity, you can't end up in a bad situation. Like I've been in a lot of circumstances where it's like I had to make the right choice, right? So I think the first thing is find your moral compass because that's the basis of all of it. And you get to a place where you can use that to kind of navigate the waters even when you don't know the law. I get a sense of how things should be, right? And that's because I've kind of danced in that place of finding the boundaries, find out what works for you, what keeps you up at night, what kinds of things can you do that other people won't do, right? Or let's say your friends want to do something crazy and you just like, I just can't do that. And they're like, it's not a big deal. Maybe there's something about that. Dig into it, right? And get through those things. Then when you get into school, this is my biggest thing. Do not take out, if you can avoid taking out loans, student loans, will limit your ability to really live in your passion. That's why so many lawyers are unhappy. A lot of us got into this because we wanted to help people. But it's so expensive that by the time you get out of law school, when, they, when Wall Street comes knocking at your door, you ain't saying no. Because I'm like, I'm still trying to pay this loan off. So a lot of times I have to make a decision about how I spend my time. 
I would like to do more pro bono. I would like to do more mentoring students and things, but I got a huge loan. So if you can start off small, maybe go to the community college, then go to the state school, do well, then by the time you get ready to go to law school, then you can go to Harvard on a full ride because you did so well at the community college. You Mm, know, don't be proud. Keep your expenses down so you can live the life you want. The only way I'm able to do this now is because I was mindful of these things and I had it all kind of planned out, you know. That's awesome. And what would you say? is one of the things that you've taken from your your working from a day job that you apply to your business now? Mm, that's a good question. I think that it's important. I try to use the same amount of time. Like, I still work no less than eight hours a day. Like, you know, and what does work mean now? Now, work means something different. So I think it's important for me to maintain my image. So, like, if I get my hair done, I actually consider that work because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so it's like, be think about what's important to you. My workout is important to me. So I prioritize the things that are important, but I do try to still think of it like, I got to sit down at my desk for a good several hours a day in order to get produced the, the, the work that brings the money in. The client wants to see the paper. They want the stuff to be filed. You know, and it's That's just right. me. So it's like, I have to make sure I'm taking the time, sit down and get it done. Don't just focus on marketing. Don't just be networking. People get caught up in networking because it's fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you got to get the work done. You got to do something like, like, especially in these times, people, yeah, networking is one of those things. And then you know what? An unauthentic networking to oh. me is some of the worst. I've been to a seminar recently and I met a lot, a lot of good connections there and people that were just very authentic. Mm-hmm. But then I could sniff through the people that's just like giving me their business card and they Johnny on the spot, running to the next person, or they listening, they ear hustling, trying to see what you're doing over there. Right. And to me, that's the kind of stuff that it does. Nothing grows from that because mm-hmm. people, like, like myself, I'll say for myself, I like authentic business relationships. So I don't, I don't do business with somebody just because you are this person, you're that person. I want to make sure that we have something in common, that there's some kind of communication or right. warmth there. Like I have you on here because I felt a warmth from you and you've you shared stuff with me that you know other lawyers will they'll keep a bar a, a, like a very professional bar up but you said something to me actually I, I just remembered that um two things one that i really like you can find this one funny okay is around the time when you were doing my trademarking i don't know if you remember this but right after we had the meeting i was expecting a payment from this client that i had mm-hmm. and my client was like you know, he, he didn't have the money right now. He's going to give it to me next week. So I, so I told you that, you know, I had that money allotted for your payment and I had half of the money on my own. And I was like, listen, I, can, I got half the money and I could give you the other half next week. And I told you why. And you were like, listen, I cannot run a business on money promised to you. I love that <laughs> statement. I knew that you were going to be my lawyer when you said that. I said, that's, I'm taking that because one of the things that I have a problem with sometimes, like I, I think I'm very, I'm very strict on not taking half money, but I've uh-huh. never told somebody that, but I said, I like that. I'm it's taking true. that. I mean, how can, what would happen if, if and he never paid it by the way? <laughs> no, of course not. See, and he my intuition told me that. No, but not that I don't dope. trust you. I didn't trust him. And you were right not to trust him, <laughs> uh, but I would have gave you the money regardless, but no, but the fact that you didn't accept that, it made me raise the bar because I did get half of the money from him because when he was like, well, where is the product? I said, listen, I know that you think this is a priority, but when paying me becomes a priority for you, 
because I got to pay this lawyer and she's not trying to hear that. So when <laughs> paying me becomes a priority for you, then your project will become a priority for me. And Good. he paid half. All right. At least I got half of the money. Yeah, and you took so, you took my tactics and you used it. Look how quickly you got your half. Of I, exactly mm -hmm. by just being straight up, like. But you know, you know, being broke taught me to do that. You can't because I've had my down and out moments. You know, I was listening to the the podcast where you had another guest on talking about the time when he was homeless and all of this, and okay, I had my two days of of homelessness. One really? Time. Yeah, yeah. What was this? You got to okay, tell me. Okay, so I went to D, to Howard. I was in D.C. This was my second year of law school. And I had gotten so bogged down with school that I didn't pay attention to them sending the letter about renewing the lease and stuff. So I just put it away. Then the next thing, they showed up at the door with the U-Haul. Wow. And the lady, like, she meant well. The landlord, they did everything they were supposed to do. And she looked at me. She was like, you're here? And she felt so bad. She told the people that were moving in, just give her a little bit of time. I had to get my stuff and get out. Wow. It was crazy. So you know what I did? I put all my stuff down like, you know how you have a basement that has the stairs that go down and there's a little bit of space. I put all my stuff there and then I just went and like hung out with my friends for a couple of days and figured wow. it out. And thank God this was like a bad part of D.C. too. My stuff was still there. Wow. It was unbelievable. And you left it in the house that you were that you were evicted from. It wasn't inside the house. It was in the like outside where you go down to wow. the basement. It was like not covered or anything. Wow. And I was I had to risk like I might lose it all, but I'm alive. Wow. You know, and I more than once I've been in that position. And I know I probably will be again because the truth is is you know how they say only the, the what only the good die young kind of thing. People who choose to be courageous are always at risk right? because it's like almost like once the universe sees that you trust yourself and that it can trust you, he, she, whatever you want to call it, the, to whom much is given, much is required. So I feel like at least, you know, once or twice a, a year, I'll be like, really like, oh, my God, that could have been it right there. But look. Look at God. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. No, and and um, I want to, and we got like one more question okay. I got to ask you. But um, I, I've been very, uh, I'm happy doing this interview with you. Like you're very, uh, like just listening to what your story has been in your journey has been very helpful to understanding you more. Um, so the question I want to ask you is, what are what is one of the what is one of the times that you felt that was a challenging time for you? One of your most challenging times, but you've learned something great from it. You know what? I, it's actually happened right after I lost my job. I, actually, my when I was released from, I won't even say lost it. When I was released from my nine to five, I had kind of like a little mental breakdown. You know, I mean, I eventually took it in stride, but I didn't own how I was feeling for a while. And um, I ended up like in the hospital and everything. I was in Bellevue like all night one time. And once they realized I didn't belong there, right, um, then it's like I became an observer of the circumstance. And this is now actually going to end up being part of my movie that I'm going to make because it was so crazy to watch um, people who were in that confining space and how compassionate the nurses and stuff were. Um, that it actually it was it made it all make sense to me because I was at first like, why am I here? Why am I here? I don't belong here. And the nurses were so compassionate to me um, that now I feel like I want to tell their story. And I, as a result of my trauma, I was healed by some people who didn't have to be so kind. And I didn't know anything about that industry. 
You know, all I knew was that I was broken, right? And I was in a very, very uncomfortable situation. This is that same night of jail that I'd never spent back when I stole the CDs, right? Right. It's like, it always comes back. I had to spend that night, that dark night of the soul. I had to take that time. And now, you know, it's all come full circle. So I have this movie in me that um, Mm -hmm. I I don't know how to write a screenplay, but me and God going to do it. We're gonna, make it, we're gonna make it happen yeah i have to come back and tell you about that though <laughs> definitely definitely yeah so it's been really great Thank um you. i want to end on a, on on that that was a, a very good note to end on because mm-hmm. i feel like you know it it well i was unexpected but i and i enjoyed like hearing that you know you were able to triumph it and mm-hmm. you are the woman sitting in front of me now yeah it was and, one uh, of those bounce back moments you and know? like like i think um one like in one podcast i had when the guy said you know you're going to get hit in life it's how you how you get up when you get hit mm-hmm. you know it's, it's not a matter of will you get hit it's like when you get hit what are you going to do are you going to just lay there are you going to stay there right. so for me all of the things that i've been through like i can embrace them now i'm starting to embrace them because they make you develop into the person that you are. Mm-hmm. They either destroy you or they build you and make you stronger. Right. So we will not be destroyed. We will not be destroyed. <laughs> are, are you on Instagram or? I am on Instagram. Now here's the, you didn't ask me about my name mm-hmm. like you usually do everybody. Uh, you but, see? Tell so me about my your name, name is unique and it's hard to find. So my name is Christian. And that's because I was, a, I was actually conceived a boy. Mm-hmm. And then my, I came out a girl and they were going to name the little boy Christian. So they had to switch it up. Okay. So I'm Christian Rose, K-R-I-S-T-Y-A-N, Christian Rose, Rose at Christian Rose, whatever. Yep. Got you, got and you. And same thing on Facebook, same thing, my website, ChristianRose.com. That's how you can find me, connect with me, work with me. Thank you so much, Rose, for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. I truly appreciate you. Take care of yourself, my sister. I'm, I'm right. proud of that. Look, Thank you. That's a new aspect of the brand. And I owe, I owe it all to Rose. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Glenn. All right, guys. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for joining us, Rose. And we're out. We're out. I'm grateful to all of you for supporting the 95 Killers brand. None of this will be possible without your continued support. We appreciate each and every one of you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or family member. You can also stay connected with us on Instagram at 95killers. I want you all to stay safe, but most importantly, stay productive. Peace. The 95killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher.